everyone, this is Liz, and I'm here to tell you what's coming up on the Popping Collars feed for August 2021. The Popping Collars regulars are on summer vacation this month, so we're bringing you a very special crossover episode we recorded with the hosts of the Being Truly podcast. Hear what happens when the longest running Episcopal pod meets the new kid on the block. Greg has a great new interview this month with Edson Oda, the writer and director of the new film, Nine Days. They talk about beauty, truth, and the afterlife on a new edition of Under the Stole. Things get a little dark on Going on 30 this month. Betsy and Greg try to survive the Stephen King thriller, Misery. Stephen McHale is back on The Sacred Six this month to talk about Help, the soundtrack for the second Beatles movie. Finally, it's that time again. Ricardo and I are here to help you figure out what you need to be reading now in a brand new episode of the Poppin' Collars Book Club. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They didn't used to do that on Zoom. You could record kind of without letting other people know. And I never did that, but it always worried me that someone else was. So I'm glad that they let you know now. It's probably a good idea, ultimately. Yes. Um, Okay, so should I get us started? Yes. Welcome to your favorite spinoff of the Popping Collars franchise, the Popping Collars Book Club. Yes. I'm Liz Easton. I'm the Canon to the Ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska, and I'm here with my favorite reader friend, Ricardo Avila. I am Ricardo Avila. I am the rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, in Northern California. You're going to hear little bings and stuff coming from my computer all the time because we're recording this during working hours, which we don't typically do. So <laughs> forgive us, <laughs> your listeners. Here we are. How is your reading life right now, Ricardo? My reading life is, as usual, full. And um, who can find time, really? But, uh, yeah, I've got a lot going on with reading. In fact, uh, oh, Liz, are you sure? Can you turn that thing off? It's always when I'm talking. I'm sorry. Let me see. It's so stressful. I feel like um, one day in the future, I'm going to hear that sound and, like, have a PTSD response. (laughs) I get so many emails. It just is very stressful. Okay. I I quit Outlook. So unless someone texts me, we won't have any more interruptions. You can also turn your text off, but I won't, I won't bug you. Listen, just mind your own business. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. I don't know where we are. I'm Ricardo Avila. I'm the rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California. I love to read. My reading life is rich and full. I think I've said this before, but I just want to put a plug in for your local libraries, friends of the library, bookstore, or purchasing section. I don't know if that happens everywhere or if it's just in California, but man, you can find the cheapest, most amazing treasures there. I literally, I think in the last two and a half years, I've probably purchased 125 books for like $150. Wow. And um, ask me how many of them I've read, but um, <laughs> I'm starting to, I'm starting to amass my, uh, my arsenal of reading for retirement in 11 years. So 
So, you know, every once in a while I get the bug to go bookstore browsing and I go to friends of the library and it, it feels painless because it's so cheap. So please, if you have not done so, get yourself to your neighborhood library uh, or any nearby one and go to your friends and it goes to a good cause. It goes to help the library. So it's perfect. Uh, so I'm going to put it back on you, Liz. How is your reading life? Wow. Well, I um, I read a lot last year in 2020 for me. I think I read about 50 books, which I know for some people, they read a lot more than that. Others read less. For me, it was really a stretch to get to 50. And so I set the same goal for this year and I'm already like 12 behind with what the rate would be. So I've just had a harder time reading this year. I don't know if I got a little burned out on it last year. I'm just having trouble keeping up. It, but one of the things I've enjoyed audiobooks a lot more recently, and um, I sort of have to have a particular audiobook. I can't have something that's super literary, like of great literary value. I need things that are pretty plot driven, uh, that have a good pace, usually sort of with a mystery component. And speaking of the library, I have an Audible subscription, which was an awesome, wonderful Christmas gift for my brother and sister-in-law. So once a month, I'll do an Audible book. But um, I'm also using the public library's audiobook app, which is awesome. It's super usable, searchable. You only get the books for two weeks, though. So it's a hustle. Like as soon as you download it, I'm sure you can renew them, but I haven't figured that out. But anyway, it's been great for walking and driving and even just like doing chores around the house. It's been a fun way to read. I'm also reading books. You know, I I love the library and getting what I do is I will read a New York Times review of a book that sounds interesting and then I will immediately reserve it at the library. Yep. So then I'm kind of high up on their reserve list, but sometimes they'll all come in at once. And since they're new releases that have waiting lists, you can't renew them. And with a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of pressure. But right now I'm reading um, that new book about Facebook. I don't even know the title of it right now. Uh, (laughs) It'll come to me later. But um, it's a couple of New York Times journalists who did like a very multi-year investigation of Facebook, focusing especially on um, everything around the 2016 election. Mm. And um, it's really good. It's pretty damning. It makes you want to quit Facebook. Um, but it's a good, it's a good book, and also a good cultural critique of sort of social media and how it's influencing us, even in really subtle ways. But anyway, I got that from the library. It's due in the next couple of days, and I can't renew it. So I need to really buckle down. Wow. That's a stressful life, Liz. It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, how you get your job done with all that other stuff. It's hard. It's really oh. hard. I like using the library because I don't want to buy a bunch of books I'm not going to read. I don't have the um, space for that. And a couple of years ago, I did a huge haul to like Goodwill and Half Price Books and just got rid of a lot of books. And since then, I've been pretty devoted to the library. Good for you. Good for you. I have a recommendation, a book recommendation. uh, And then I have a loose kind of conversation about something that hopefully won't take more than three minutes. So um, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, I just know I can really go. I know I can go. I love talking to you and I love talking about books. Same. 
So um, when you answered how my book life was, or my reading life was, uh, I talked about buying books, but the actual reading of books, it is mostly audiobooks now because of a commute that I have each day and doing chores around the house. And uh, my, I just finished listening to a, a long version of a, a book we all know and love, The Stand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I read it years and years and years ago. And Stephen King actually, there's a foreword that itself is like 15 minutes long. And he talks about how when he first wrote the book, they made him cut out like 400 pages. Oh my gosh. And then, and so that was in 1978, 1990, he put out the complete version. I mean, it, it's not 400 pages longer, but it's significantly longer. The audiobook is 47 hours. Oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. And you know, as riveting as the narrative and the plot is, it was so unnecessary. Yeah. To have all of that. How long did it take you to listen to that? I listened to it at 1.3 speed, sometimes 1.4. So I don't know. Off and on, I would say like, yeah, probably like 36 hours or like one, two, three weeks. Wow. Pretty solid listening. Yeah. You, I can't do I can't do that. Even I I can never commit to an audiobook that long. I, I tried it. to download um Trinity by Leon Uris. And as soon as I saw that the audiobook was something like 40 hours, I was like, no. And I love to read a super long book. Like that's very satisfying to me. Um I every I have to do that a few times a year, like a super long one, but not for an audiobook. It's too much. Right. Right. It, it, it varies for me. I, I think there is something kind of rewarding about being with a story as you're driving to and from work and taking walks and it becomes kind of part of your like life. You know, that was the month of the sand, you know. Right. But um, oh, there's something good about shorter ones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So I have a book recommendation. Um, it's a little off the beaten path because uh, it came out in 2007 and it's actually a memoir. It's called Things the Grandchildren Should Know. I don't leave the house much. I don't like being around people. Makes me nervous and weird. I don't like going to shows either. It's better for me to stay home. Some might think it means I hate people. That's not quite right I do some stupid things But my heart's in the right place And this I know And it's (laughs) Well (laughs) Yeah Okay, so the the title of it Is kind of different than what it is But it's a good title It's by uh, it's by a musician named Mark Oliver Everett, and he is the lead singer and basically the person of the band The Eels, uh, who were big in the 90s, like 1996. He came out with his they came out with their first album. Uh, he's only he's the main person and everyone else has kind of rotated through the years. Um, but, you know, he's kind of an indie darling. But his big deal, his kind of. The thing to know about Mark Everett is he is the son of kind of a world-renowned physicist who never really got his due 
until late in life, who um, posited the theory of parallel universes. Oh, wow. And multiple universes. And uh, somehow he was dismissed, but then he was justified late in life by other findings about, I'm just going to say stuff, quark theory or something. <laughs> and so, um, but he was a real thinker and he, Mark Everett was a misfit, uh, but he loved music and he found his father dead mm -hmm. uh, at home when he has a mother and a sister as well. So he lost his father when he was in his early 20s, finding him dead upstairs in his bedroom, just lying on his bed, fully clothed. And that was shocking. And then um, maybe like eight or nine years later, his sister, whom he adored, older sister, committed suicide. And um, she had tried to commit suicide at one point uh, earlier than that and survived. Um, they found her on the bathroom floor, he and his mother. And it was just, he told, talks all about it. And one of the songs on his, on the Eel's second album, the first song is called Elizabeth on the Bathroom Floor. Oh. And that second album is really intense. And it's about the trauma of losing her, losing his father. And then a year and a half after his sixth sister killed herself, his mother got cancer and died. Oh my God. And so he lost all of his nuclear family and um, was crushed and already kind of had his own kind of mental struggles. And, and so the, but the thing is the book is, is, it's really funny. He's got a great sense of humor. He's really cool, but he's also self-aware enough to know when he's trying to be cool or being a jackass. And I really like their music. I don't love it all, but um he seems really authentic and that comes through and he talks about, you know, not really being good at love, not being really good at socializing, but that the music carries him through and it's helped a lot of other people who listen to it and are misfits themselves. And so it's a good book. It's a quick read. It's, it's um, engaging. Uh, the song itself, things the grandchildren should know. He kind of goes through it in the last chapter with the lyrics and talking about his life and, I loved that. And it's, it's a great song, uh, but it's good. And you really root for him. And at the end, he says, you know, I did it. I survived all of this and I made some things that were created because of it. And I think I'm going to be okay. And that may sound for me right now, a little trite, but when you read the book, it's, it's very hard earned and heartfelt. And uh, so I recommend it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a memoir from an indie rocker that is earnest and funny and wise and tragic. Um, but, you know, it's a good break from the other stuff I usually read. And it got me to listen to his music again. So Things the Grandchildren Should Know by Mark Oliver Everett, who does not have grandchildren, actually, or children. In fact, uh, he was interviewed by a French uh, TV person once. And she said, these things the grandchildren should know. I'm sorry, I sound Transylvanian whenever I try to <laughs> <laughs> This thing the grandchildren should know. Do you have grandchildren? And he said, no, no. Do you have children? No. I said, well, how can you have grandchildren? And, and he says, oh, I just decided to skip the children generation. I'm just going to have grandchildren. <laughs> she took him seriously. you know. And it was uh, very awkward and confusing. That's um, so uh, that's the book I recommend for any who are That's great. I love music memoirs. Yes love them and how did you find that like how did you hear about that book well i already loved the eels and i bought the um album the double album double cd i guess uh on which things the grandchildren should know the song is on 
called Blinking Lights and Other Revelations. And then suddenly I just heard, I came across it somewhere like eight years ago or whatever. Oh, there's a book. Someday I'm going to read it. And I put it on hold at the library and somebody like us had it for like seven, nine, 12 months. I've had it on hold for over a year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But then when I got it, nobody was behind me in the line. So yeah. So then you could listen to it for long or read it for longer than you. I kept it for a while. It kept it self renews when there's no hold. Yep. Um, So that's how I've heard about it. I just, I know the singer and the music. So that's cool. That's a great recommendation. Boom. All right, Liz. I have a recommendation too. I'm looking at my phone because that's where it is, not because I'm checking time. (laughs) Just so you know. Um, So I use Goodreads to track my reading. What do you mean track your reading? Like I'll just keep track of what I've read by entering it in Goodreads after I've read it. So then at the end of the year, I can sort of see everything. And it's not the best utility, but, uh, and I don't use the social function of it. Like I don't write reviews. I don't do that. I basically just log each book that I read. Um, But they use a one through five star rating system. And um, this is my first five-star read of 2021, which I, I always, that I always, I don't give a lot of five stars. I might do one or two a year. I do a lot of four stars, but this is my first five-star book. Another one I was on the whole hold at the library with for a long time. And it's called Legends of the North Cascades by Jonathan Evison. This was bigger than football. This was the rest of Dave's life. The moment he walked through the glass door and into the nondescript recruiting center with its queasy overhead light, he sensed an intensity on the part of the recruiter whom, with a slight limp, met him halfway across the foyer. The Marine bore a certain respectful gravity, epitomized by his dress blues and his clean-shaven square jaw, which had not gone even the slightest bit jowly in spite of what Dave guessed to be his 50 years. As Dave sat down opposite the recruiter with a firm handshake, Dave once again wished he were in cleats and a helmet. Well, let's not beat around the bush, said the recruiter flatly. What do you have to offer the United States Marine Corps, Mr. Cartwright? Well, sir, that's what I'm here to find out. What I can tell you right off the bat is that I try to excel at whatever I do and that I always give 110%. And why is that? Well, sir, because I feel like I've got a responsibility to try my hardest. Was your daddy a Marine? No, sir. Leaning back slightly, the recruiter reposed in his chair, considering Dave through steely gray eyes. Well, we're and I never heard anyone else head. talk about this book. Like, I don't, I, I don't even know how I heard about it. But I grew up in Washington State, so there's sort of a North Cascades um, affinity. So the title grabbed me. And um, it's a really interesting novel that is sort of like a, a braided novel. Like there are two sides that go back and forth. And in the, the contemporary one um, is about a man who is an Iraq war veteran who lives in this um, small community in Eastern Washington, right along the Cascade mountain range. And um, he has PTSD after returning home from Iraq. He, um, he, his marriage is falling apart. And in the midst of that separation, his wife dies in an accident and Mm -hmm. leaves him as a single parent to a very young daughter, like a seven or eight year old daughter. And in the midst of his grief and also his PTSD, and there's a, there's some veiled references to um, political climate 
particularly to the Trump presidency, he feels this overwhelming need to flee civilization. So he takes his daughter to live in a cave in the Cascade Mountains where they become um, sort of hermits in this uh, long-term camping situation, basically, in a cave. And meanwhile, the little girl who sort of is up for the adventure and also like a lot of children with traumatized parents is feeling the need to care for her own dad. She starts having these almost like mystical connections with the first humans who live in that mountain range. Wow. So she'll almost go into like a trance or a dreamlike state where she's very connected to these humans, a mother and son who lived in that cave like way back, way back with the first human beings. And um, so then the other side of the novel tells their story. And in both cases, it ends up being a reflection on um, the tension between like escape and solitude and the innate human force and drive toward community. So it was a really beautiful um, reflection on isolation. And uh, I thought, gee, I wish I had read this during the first part of the pandemic when we were all isolated. Um, I think it would have been meaningful, but but it wasn't published until like June of this year. So which made me wonder if the, the writer also was inspired by everything that was happening in the pandemic. I haven't looked into it, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, It's a very, for such a sort of um, complicated premise, I guess, or like complicated themes. It's a, oh, now who's being interrupted by a sound Um, for a book with such sort of complicated and nuanced themes. It has a really driving narrative and I like plot. I know a lot of readers who are kind of anti-plot. They don't need a book that has a very driving and progressing plot. I do, however. That's what holds my attention. So um, and it so it sort of checks all those boxes and it's very tender. You really kind of fall in love with these characters, even the ones who are basically Neanderthals. Um, it's really beautiful. So I highly recommend it. Legends of the North Cascades, my first five-star read of 2021. Wow. And say the author's name again. Jonathan Evison. That is, that's fascinating. I, I want to, how do you find these books? I think that I saw the cover somewhere. I think like I was, um, you know, I'm, I'm always online looking for books. So like I'm reading the mainly through the times, but um, in other ways too. And sometimes I'll go read like a Kirkus review or something and I think I maybe saw like an ad for it, oh. um, but it wasn't, I haven't heard anyone else talking about it. Okay. Really good. I have this other thing that is, has become over the last couple of years, uh, a real go-to kind of thing I do to get my mind off of work and church and religion stuff. Um, I've started taking classes at Stanford's continuing studies program And pre-COVID, it was in person, so it was very exciting because I got to drive to the Stanford campus and, you know, relive my college days, even though I would never have gotten into Stanford. (laughs) um, And uh, and then, you know, sit in a classroom and learn without having to write any papers, which is like glory and pick whatever class. So 
And then it's been on Zoom, of course, for the last year and a half. And so I've been taking these classes and really enjoying them. I took one on uh, the Bronte sisters. We read Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights. I took one on David Copperfield. I took one on War and Peace, which was a 10-week class that was awesome. So now for the fall, beginning in late September, I've signed up for two um, and they're weeknights. And so on Monday nights, I think beginning in early October, I'm taking a class. Actually, I'll start with the Wednesday night class. I'm taking a class on Wednesday nights in late September. Call, it's a class called the Cultural History of Russia. I don't know why Russia, you know, 19th century especially gets me so much. But I think it's because when I was maybe 16 or so, I went to see the movie Reds with my sister with Warren Beatty, Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson. And I don't know why, but it, I'd never heard about the Russian revolution. I'd never thought of history in a bigger sense. And so the movie kind of blew me away because I didn't even understand what was going on. And it was so major, right? It's like an epic. And I thought I need to know more about the world. And that became a focal point. I took Russian lit and translation in college. I took Russian, the language and failed it in college, (laughs) which it wasn't good. So I'm taking this because it's my continuing kind of love. I love Dostoevsky, like Tolstoy. That's fine. So um, the class is the class is basically eight weeks long, and it's based on the eight chapters of a book called Natasha's Dance: A Cultural History of Russia by Orlando Figus. And um, Natasha's Dance is a scene in War and Peace that people have taken to be about like the culture of Russia, the feeling of Russianhood, et cetera. And so the classes, it looks really good. We're going to read through this book and then we're going to read some short stories from the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, Pushkin, Tolstoy, Lermontov, Solzhenitsyn, et cetera. And so I've got two books on that. Um, that is so cool. I, I love know. it. Yeah. And she's giving us links to, ballet stuff like and there are recommended movies to watch each week based on the theme of the week there's the last station about tolstoy and his wife at the end of his life so there's all these great movies mongol about russians in like genghis khan's descendants or something in russia yeah so it's it's a way to read things i wouldn't normally read and have an interest in and also just be guided through them yeah there's something fun about that I think I would need that for that type of literature. Like I, um, I read crime and punishment in high school. And I think part of the reason that it had such an impact and I loved it was because I had help understanding it and getting through it. I've never gotten through the brothers Karamazov on my own. I've tried several times. Same with war and peace. Anyway, this is by the way, not a plug for Stanford continuing (laughs) studies. I get no kickbacks. And then the other class I'm taking, Liz, on Monday nights for five or six weeks is total, well, it's for fun. Um, it's uh, it's a class on the the songs and poetry of Leonard Cohen. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, oh, and I thought, oh, this is a little silly. Why would I take a class on it? Could they really do this for five, six weeks? But then I got a, I saw the syllabus, the preliminary syllabus, and each class has a theme and talks about certain songs or albums of his and poems. So like the first class's themes are flesh and spirit, the identity of the singing voice, abjection and humiliation. Um, The third class's themes are humility, divinity and impotence. And like the last class is aging, lastness and finality. So it's like 
she's stepping it up a notch to talk about his stuff in, in like a sort of through a life perspective, yeah, which is how he is. You know, his his lyrics, not always, but his lyrics are pretty profound. He was a Canadian Jew who has a lot of um, Christian imagery in his music. Uh, I mean, I preached on his, him or his music probably three times, um, including when he died. And then he got into Buddhism, I believe, towards the end of his life. And it was really serious, became like a monk of some sort in the L.A. area. So I'm really looking forward to just kind of immersing myself in one person's creative life. There's a lot on tap for me. And um, it's so I need that break from work because work's so immersive. Yeah. Do something completely different. So I'm very excited for the fall. I love it. A couple of years ago, I preached, I was part of a preaching series about the St. John's Bible, which is that illuminated kind of contemporary illuminated Bible. And um, I ended up my sermon. I obviously preached on the text, which was one of Luke's parables, but I preached on a letter Cohen poem song through the whole sermon. That was sort of my another text that I considered. And it was really, it was a great, I mean, he's a really profound poet and there are some aspects of his lyrics that will really stick with you that's so cool good for you i don't do anything like that well you can i know both either of these classes with me right now yeah i could <laughs> that would be so great all right well thanks everybody for listening to this popping collars spinoff book club episode we're always grateful for your listening. And if you have any recommendations of books that we should read, or if you've taken us up on one of our recommendations and you want to talk about it, um, hit us up. I'm on Instagram as Liz East, which is a very public profile and is pretty reading focused. So you can also um, drop us a line there. I have nothing. Per- I mean, I have a Facebook page and I have our church. St. Luke's Los Gatos has a, Facebook page, feel free. Yeah. Thanks for listening and uh, keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs>